was at 22 years old or whatever, I hadn't become the person that I thought I, I hoped I might have become. And I was disillusioned. I was disillusioned with myself and wondered what I was doing wrong. I'd gone round the track a few times. I'd been to inspiring conferences. I'd renewed my commitment. I'd got inspired to try harder, and, and I'd, it wasn't working. And somewhere around this time, I came into contact with the kind of teaching we're going to look at tonight. Um, you might hear us use the phrase, the exchanged life. It's a term that Hudson Taylor coined, and I think we've Rick once preached a sermon about it, if I'm not wrong, a few years ago. Um, and that's something of what we want to share tonight. It began to give me a new understanding into the work of the cross on my behalf, a new understanding into what the gospel really is all about. Because you see, it, the gospel is about more than just my forgiveness of sins. And that's good news. It is good news that we're, we're forgiven of our sins. But the gospel is also about something that happens inside of us. It's not just something Christ did for us. It's something he did inside of us. And that affects our identity. And that's what I think is so crucial. So there's a story told of um, Queen Victoria when she was a young girl. And I, I don't really know if it's true or not. It might be apocryphal. Um, I thought perhaps I should look it up on the internet before I came out tonight. Then I thought I might find out that it's not true and I won't be able to tell it anymore. So if you find out it's not true, please don't tell me because I like it. So the story goes that as, as a little girl, she was really uncontrollable in her behaviour. And they, were, they had governor after governor, all of his creation on the sixth day when he... he he creates Adam and Eve out of the dust and he breathes life into them. And after each creation, at the end of every day, he's, he says, it's good. It's good. It's good. And it comes to Adam and Eve and he says, it's very good. And there's this wonderful picture of, of beauty and life unfolding. And Adam and Eve kind of crown that creation and God pronounces it very good. C can you imagine for a moment what life might have been like for them? in those early days of paradise. We call it paradise, don't we? What, what would it have been like? What, what would they have known? Bliss. It's a good word. Kind of would, wouldn't it? Peace. Love. Do you think they ever would have doubted that they were loved by God? There's that wonderful picture where God would walk with them in the cool of the day. They had relationship, the kind of this face-to-face -face relationship. Do you think they ever doubted their worth, their significance? I think you kind of get this picture that they, they knew God face-to-face -face and there was never any doubt over, over who they knew themselves to be. A bit like, you know, when you see a newborn baby come into the world. Those of you who have parents will know this. There's nothing that that baby has to do to, to be loved, is there? They, they just are because they exist, because they've been born into the world, that they're, they're loved. And I think it must have been like that for Adam and Eve. They, they lived in this place of unconditional, accept fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. 
She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Some of perhaps the saddest verses in scripture, hey. What was the temptation that Satan lured Adam and Eve with? What did... That they would be like God. Yeah. That was it, wasn't it? If you eat of this tree, you will be like God. Is there anything strange that strikes you about that if you think back over the verses that we read they were weren't they they were already like God they were made in his image in the image of God he created them so what's what's going on there what's that about they were already like God. They lacked the understanding. I wonder what it what, what understanding they, they... My mother was very ill having me. She nearly died. Good start in the world, nearly killing your mother. She couldn't, she thought, have any more children. So one day off they went and Beverly Henderson came back with them. And she lay in her cot... And I sat beside her for hours and hours at a time looking at her. She was a little detective, an information machine, dark-haired and dark-eyed, a midget incident investigator in a matinee jacket. And I think I thought, though I can't really remember because I was only three, that she was just what I had always wanted. And then one day she was gone. It's hard to prize out what happened. My mother wouldn't really talk about it. And it wasn't until fairly recently that I realised I really wanted to know. And then, of course, it was too late by then. My father didn't really know either. She didn't look like us, he said. A dark child. And Mummy thought, I suppose, that people would... Well, I don't know. That they'd think it wasn't her own child. So off she went. They didn't tell me. You wouldn't. A three-year-old in those days... No, don't upset him. Goodness knows what I overheard. I suppose it could be prized out of me by shrinks and cognitive cognitive interviewers. But it doesn't matter, because I knew what I knew. There is no safe ground, because they can always send you back. I had had a sister, and she was magicked away, and we never spoke of her. And I learnt something from it, so that when a year or two later I had another sister, I kept my distance. Don't get too close. Because I've got to measure up to the good. And I've got to avoid the evil. And I've got to... It's about what I do. And what's that based on, the good and the evil? It's, it's based on what I determine it is. 
Jesus tells the wonderful story of the prodigal son. And we know it well, don't we? The younger son leaves home, takes his inheritance, off he goes, lots of wild living. And then finally he comes to the end of himself when he's a long way off. And what does he say when, he, when that happens? He decides he can, he, even the servants in his father's home treated better than him. So he decides he'll come home and he rehearses his speech as he starts walking back. Do you remember what he says? He's going to go home. He doesn't actually say that. I am not worthy. This is the speech he rehearses. I am not worthy to be called your son. What in his eyes makes him not worthy? of being called the son of his father. It's his behaviour, isn't it? It's how he knows he's gone off and behaved. And the, the father sees him a long way off, runs towards him, welcomes him, brings him home, kills the fatted calf. There's this great party, and the, younger, the older son, meanwhile, is out in the fields in a bad mood. <laughs> because? Yeah. He's been a good boy. You never did this for me. What is it that he thinks makes him worthy? His behaviour. And the point of the story is that it's not about our behaviour. It's not about our behaviour. And Jesus takes, pulls the rug out of all of our sense that I, in what I can do, can earn worthiness. And this system, this is called the achieving system. It's all about working and achieving. Achieving my sense of righteousness by what I do, by the way that I avoid the evil and do the good. And it leads to death, finally. You see, and over here, in Christ we're restored to the tree of life. And that's what Rick's going to look at in this next section, the work of the cross that restores us to the tree of life. Here, this is a place of dependence. We're restored to our right dependence that Adam and Eve walked away from. And it's a place of freedom. Freedom from the law, even. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Not to serve. Christ didn't set us free to serve. Christ didn't set us free to become good Christians. He sets free for freedom. And it's about grace. And this is the receiving system. All that is ours, a bit like the father says to the younger son, to the older son, all that I have is yours. You are always with me. It's yours to be received, not to be earned by your good behaviour. And the result of this is life. And life in all of its abundance. So I've said a lot here, I realise. And you might have lots of questions going around your head at this point. You might still have lots of questions when you go home tonight. (laughs) And I think we think that will be a good thing. Because, you know, it's worth thinking about. What's the foundation of our identity? How do we know ourselves to be? What is the work of the cross on our behalf? And even though we've now been restored to the tree of life as Christians... The temptation is that we still live as if we're eating from this tree until we understand all that is available to us.